Hello and welcome back to the West Photo Podcast, produced from the West Photo Office in the University of Westminster School of Arts. My name is Luke Herlock and this episode, along with the next two episodes, was recorded during the Paris Photo Weekend in November of 2018, where I managed to catch some practitioners amongst their busy schedules. This episode I spoke to Tiffany Jones, founder and director of Overlaps, an independent publisher based in London. Tiffany answers questions on producing books, Way Overlaps oversees its projects, and Lewis Bush's publication, Metropole. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy the podcast. I'm here with Tiffany Jones at Polycopies in Paris. She's got some questions for her about a publishing company and how she's finding polycopies in general. So tell me about Overlaps and why you came to found it and yeah, what brought you to do it? Well, Overlaps publishes books that are essentially about cultural issues with universally identifiable themes so that we have a wider audience that we can appeal to and um, our books generally are like uh, visual literature. They're supposed to be kind of like little novels or which doesn't mean that they're necessarily story driven but um, they have an appeal that is sort of parallel to literature um, and in terms of founding I started uh, as a photographer and a journalist when I was a small child and so I followed that path and um, studied photojournalism and then publishing and uh, after that I did quite a bit of editing and I got really into making books when I was young and then I did a master's degree in publishing to decide whether or not I wanted to actually get involved in starting my own press. And so I explored in my dissertation um, the photo book market and discovered that essentially it's a business that doesn't exist in terms of like making any profit but um, it's just driven by passion. So I just went for it and in the past 18 months I've published eight books and it's going really well. Can you tell me a bit about your working practice and how you see a book from an idea to its actual publication? Do you, do you start with an artist has an idea or do you come to an artist and say do you want to make a book with me or how does that, how does that work? Well, it's different, absolutely, if in every case. Um, there's no two situations that are alike, and that's because people are so different and their projects are so different. And um, in terms of working methods, I mean, I've established some sort of typical working methods, but um, some, some artists and photographers come with work that is very solid and complete. Um, Perhaps already they have a dummy that is even in a nearly final state. And then it becomes just managing um, how it could be best be made into a book that can reach its audience in the best way possible. Because for me, I always think first about the audience. As a publisher, that's what I do. Um, photographers often think about themselves and their, and their work and hopefully what they hope to achieve what, in making a book. So we have a lot of discussions about what the goals are in terms of um, how to communicate what you're trying to say. 
um, as a photographer. So, yeah, from there it can it can be just we could jump just to the stage of actually producing a physical object that meets that um, balances and communicates the subject matter in the best way so types of paper choices and binding and the size of the book that kind of thing so we'll talk about that if the project's already very developed if not then we collaborate often working together um, to come up with a sequence of images um, that works depending on the goals that that um, both the photographer and me as a publisher want to accomplish so yeah that can be a very long process if you're taking work from a, a more raw phase and then sequencing and developing a st maybe a story but essentially something that's going to move people and um, that's the most important thing that the audience is going to get something out of out of the finished product so it can take up to a year of working Generally, that's not uncommon to work with a publisher together for up to a year, maybe, um, to create a book. But it, it's different in, in every case. And so the best thing that a photographer can do, let's say, is um, have their work, their, their goals really developed, understand what they want to communicate, and be able to explain that, at least to your publisher, to start. <laughs> So, yeah, I think it's always thinking in terms of the, from the perspective of the audience. I sort of find it interesting balancing the kind of limitations of a book to portray a project. Obviously, once you've made it, it's kind of a final thing. What would you say about um, the limitations of photo books and working sort of within the page as opposed to an exhibition on the wall? How do you get it right so that when it's published, it still feels open and not like a kind of done thing that's like okay and that can go on my shelf do you, do you see what I mean yeah I do I do I, I think um, first of all the first thing to kind of keep in mind is that no, nothing is ever perfect or finished really so even if it a final book is out it's just it's never perfect and it's never really finished necessarily because projects carry on in a photographer's mind usually and ambitions for the work may change over time um, but aside from that, like the physical object, I think the first thing to do is like just think completely outside the, the realm of the book um, to see what kind of ideas you can come up with. Like if you have ideas that you want to translate into a telling, a retelling um, through a physical object that people can take home with them, then you can just use your imagination and come up with all, all possibilities. And then, then you at least have something to work with or work from. And really, with bookmaking, there's, there's not a lot of limitation in my mind. I think there's a lot that you can do in sort of just expanding beyond what you see on the page. Um, you know, you can do things like fold-outs and paper folds, um, different, use different papers that... Um, that give the, the user base or the reader basically uh, different textures as they move through a book, which can change their impressions. Little things like that. So it's definitely the, um, the materials you use. You can expand your possibilities there. Um, you see all sorts of materials used. There's pa paper that feels like, you know, uh, glass or sand or sandpaper. 
um, these kinds of textures can really add something to a story. Um, essentially, each book will have a different sort of optimal way of showing the photography that that you're working with. So it's it's just brainstorming all of these ideas and then thinking it through and trying to find different expressions with the materials that you can that you have access to. So I just want to know what you thought about uh, polycopies and how your experience here has been and what you think about publishers all in one space. Well, for me personally, polycopies is the bomb. <laughs> it's amazing. I think that the organizers are so passionate and Sebastian and Laurent, the directors, they're they're just so generous in what they're trying to accomplish for for us, like to help us get recognition for the work we do, to spread the word about all kinds of new and different publications all over the world, really, because the people that come here to Polycopies are international. They're from everywhere around the world, and that's that kind of access to to people from you know you can't get that everywhere, and so we're really fortunate in that way. And the vibe here is really really great. Like people are sharing ideas, sharing their stories amongst publishers, but also with the people who are coming to look at books. So it's just an exciting few days um, and we're on a boat that rocks <laughs> so that's always a bit fun when you start like w getting a bit woozy but um, yeah generally when people come around and look at your books and get really enthusiastic uh, and they're from Sweden or Japan or um, the US and um, it's it's makes it so worthwhile and also just different curators and bookshops and librarians they're they're all visiting the boat to see what's new and so it it's not to be missed basically it's really exciting just one last question um, about Lewis Bush's publication Metropole um, so I bought a, a zine of his um, on the same project at the photographers gallery two or three years back I find he's made a sort of complete book from that same concept and just to kind of summarize it it's a project on London as a city and sort of how the development and overdevelopment of building and construction sort of industry how that has how it affects its inhabitants and just the city's inhabitants as a whole and this kind of social structure so the the, the new book kind of expands on that and sort of builds on this original zine that was mainly just imagery of double exposed dramatic cityscapes so I was just wondering if you want to tell us a bit more about the new publication yeah well I think um, well first of all I've never seen the zine <laughs> I know of its existence but um, I wasn't looking at the zine for any reference and I, I just had never seen it um, but of course I think it's really important for photographers to make little books and um, publish print their work out and make dummies and develop their project ideas in a physical form if that's what you're into doing um, if you have an ambition of making a book so for me personally when Lewis approached me with the idea or with the with his story with Metropole I just thought it was really relevant um, for our times to see like you know these towers that basically suddenly you know they're they're growing they're popping up these towers all over the city and in cities all over the world 
And so it's, it's something that's universally understood, which is something I'm interested in. So it doesn't take a lot of explaining to know that essentially we as humans are becoming more minuscule against the threat of all this overdevelopment, over, over gentrification. And it's kind of a, a metaphor for, you know, the, the gap between the rich and the poor, which is also widening. And I just thought that the topic of, um, that it's based in London is so relevant because with Brexit coming, it's, um, it just shows that, you know, London is sort of this, like an, a little empire city, <laughs> or little, it's a large empire city, but um, it's, but yet, it just seems to me that it's almost like a, uh, an embarrassment when you consider that Brexit is going to leave this leave London kind of with all these huge towers and who's going to live in them who's going to afford to to rent them or um, so and then the people who should be living in the in the city are pushed out so far that London is almost like a barren kind of metropolis really so I just found that so relevant for the times that you can really work your head around this kind of situation where like the images in in Lewis's book, they they are compounding in the effects of this kind of the the uh, double exposures of these construction sites and these huge high rises, this compounding kind of nausea, and it actually reminds me of a book. It's an existentialist project, is how I look at it. It's kind of like how how will London go on existing? How will we, as residents of London, go on existing? Um, and then, you know, you can carry that to any city, New York and even smaller cities all over the world that are just popping up these high rises. And it's the corporations that are benefiting uh, massively. And what Lewis did in that book was he researched 28 um, property developments really in depth and um, exposes how these corporations are essentially circumventing legal procedures for like getting approvals um, and they're promising you know affordable housing to people before in advance of building these towers and yet then they don't provide the affordable housing and the you know government ministers or, or um, the mayor's involvement in these projects like sort of rubber stamping these corporate projects um, it's it it's kind of an underhanded you know, passing money under the table situation. And um, as, as residents and just as people who are not in the 1%, we, it's on our backs essentially. So, and especially the poorest people because um, they have no access to anywhere to live. So um, there's 28 developments that, um, that he researched and there's, he gives a summary of each of the processes that the corporations went through to develop these projects and so it's it's kind of like an expose um, in the back of the book um, where you can you can enjoy the imagery in the sense that you can experience it you can experience this kind of dizzy um, development that um, that conf is confusing and disorientating and then at the back you can kind of re read about all these developments and their tactics and so I find it like it's it's it is a document for our time I don't know like 
you know, a hundred years from now, will this still be going on? Will, you know, what's, so it's, it's something that, it's a record that is to me important to have in print, even if it's, um, you know, even if it's just, just something that <clears throat> doesn't necessarily get to reach mainstream audiences. It's there in paper and it's in libraries and, you know, it'll be carried on to share with future generations. So I don't know whether it would create change, but, you know, maybe there's a possibility, at least in some people's minds, it might. Thank you very much to Tiffany Jones for speaking on this episode. You can find all our episodes with links to our guest websites online via iTunes. Just search for the West Photo Podcast. Thanks a lot for listening.